Good morning. Thank you for joining us and welcome to our weekly e-learning session. My name is Dwayne Henderson, a member of Cree Lighting's training and education team and host of our e-learning series. For those watching live, happy Friday. Quickly about the session, once we begin, we'll have 15 minutes of content. Our presenter will be available for Q&A at the end of the presentation. And although the participants are muted, we do ask you guys to use either the chat or the Q&A box to ask questions. Feel free to type those in during the session. Over the past couple of weeks, we've looked at the, the drivers and, and, and the LEDs. Today, it's our turn to look at optics. And in this presentation entitled Bending Light, Optically Speaking, I'd like to welcome Brad Thomas to walk us through this. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Dwayne. Thank you. Great. Hey, before we get started, can you quickly just talk about your role in the business? Sure. You see on the title slide there, my title is Engineering Fellow. Uh, my background is a combination of mechanical and optical engineering and then later migrated systems. I'm essentially the most senior engineer for product development and help with a lot of special projects, help with new process developments. I've been working with the engineering team, building a systems engineering group over the past two years. So I'm kind of involved in all products at a high level. Perfect. All right. Well, great. Well, let's get started. Okay. Thank you. So the bending light, optically speaking, obviously, once you generate light, you've got to put it in the right place. And there's four primary methods of bending light or shaping light that are used by illumination systems, uh, starting with the common best known refraction. The transparent material will bend light through small angles, not through large angles as it's transmitted through typical glass lenses, eyeglasses, magnifiers, things like that. Depending on the curvature, positive curvature is a Convex lens will focus it to a smaller angle and negative lens, con concave lens will spread it to a wider angle. Uh, the other one for reflection, anything shiny, it's a, it mirrors or even if they're colored shiny surface, it'll re reflect light off. And the light can be bounced off uh, even right back on itself. So mirrors are reflection capable of turning light over a much larger angle. And then there's a, a special case that spans between them at the top, total internal reflection. When you have light in a clear object, whether it's glass, acrylic, water, anything, it'll exit up to the point where it reaches a critical angle as you are decreasing the angle with the surface. And there's a property where it will then totally internally reflect. That's how light pipes and waveguides work. They will reflect it internally without having to mirror the surface. And then the green at the bottom diffusion is something that you can add to other things. You could have a just a diffuser, like most troughers have a diffusing lens that smooths the light out and hide the LEDs behind it. Um, but it's basically a rough surface where particles that are scattering the light. And it could be the surface of a clear lens. It could be the surface of a mirror. Uh, you can diffuse the light passing through any kind of optics. So those are the four methods. I'll go into more details here. I'll pick it up with the diffusion. So a surface diffuser, either a clear or mirrored surface, has been roughed up to some degree and breaks up what we call specular reflection. If it's specular, it will reflect the rays intact and reflect an entire image versus a diffuse reflector, which will reflect light, but also spread it and mix it. And there are some that are called volume diffusers, a clear material that has internal particles. For example, on the right, the ZR Troffer lens is a volume diffuser. The material itself causes diffusion. 
uh, versus the LRX, the downlight is a textured surface which causes diffusion. So it's it's very popular and very good at hiding the LED pixelation. It increases your visual comfort. Uh, it's not really angle dependent. Light hitting at any angle gets further diffused by it. It doesn't cause color separation, which we'll talk about with some of the others. Um, not super efficient, a little bit lower efficiency than transmission lenses or mirrors. And other than spreading the light, they can't do a whole lot for you in terms of creating a shaped output. So at the bottom, you can see this. This would be a clear window. The rays pass straight through it with a slight offset due to the refractive index. If you make the surface rough, you then cause scattering on entry. Same thing with reflections. A specular mirror reflects everything intact. A diffuse mirror will then break up the light as it's reflected. In refraction, like I said, lenses, it could be simple lenses, uh, it could be complex lenses, but as the light enters and exits, depending on the angle of incidence with the surface, it's bent. Uh, we generally put a single lens over each LED to control the output for that LED, but replicate the lens in that OSQ light to the right. Each molded panel of six lenses are really six of the same lenses causing overlapping patterns. So it's, you've got a lot of pros that you can customize the shapes. You don't have to have a simple spherical lens. You can make aspheric and multiple shapes in it to create other patterns. Um, replicating it by molding is a very cheap and easy way to make copies. And then the, uh, the ability to mount it over each individual LED, it becomes a creative, a reflective cover, or sorry, a protective cover for that LED. But some of the limitations of it, you have a limit to the amount of angular change. So you can't turn light as much as you can with a mirror, which we'll show next. There's also some color separation that occurs. Shorter wavelengths will be focused slightly shorter. So you may see in the worst case of a very simple lens, uh, some color separation of halos of color around the edges or bands of color. And if you're talking about a single lens per LED, you're basically keeping the pixelation intact. So the visual comfort, which we talk about later, having uh, a smooth source obviously is much more comfortable to the eyes than individual sources and individual lensing keeps that pixelation. Plus what I mentioned before on the diffusion, if there were any degradation of surface, roughness, contamination, even the morning dew will cause a little bit of diffusion. So uh, you'll, if you are trying to create a very perfect layout pattern, it'll be softened by any diffusion. Reflection, some lights use reflecting surfaces around LEDs. LEDs, because of the phosphor matrix on the LED, is emitting light pretty much in all directions. And that light coming at a wide angle can't be turned forward by a lens, but it can by a mirror. So, there are combinations that this, this is one of our Essentia Downlight products that has a diffuse mirror, a white mirror around it, followed by a specular mirror. And that combination can turn the light downward. Uh, like I said, you could even reverse it as, as this flashlight approaches normal, the light's reflected right back at it. So you can create a much higher angle of reflection or, or angle of deviation than with lenses. Uh, if the surface has any natural color tint to it that'll cause some absorption and color shifting the output. So one of the things that's done in the luminaire design is to account for either absorption in clear materials or or um, reflective materials that would cause a color shift. We'll 
tune the phosphors to correct for that. Uh, and again, roughness here will cause the same additional diffusion or softening of it. The fancier method, this total internal reflection, uh, you can integrate it into other types of optics, primarily refractive, um, because as you see down here, as you're going from a high refractive index to low, from plastic or glass into air, normal at exit straight, as you start increasing this angle, it'll start bending slightly to the exits. There's this critical angle, it's roughly 43, 42 degrees, where it'll reach the surface and reflect back inward rather than exiting. Very interesting phenomenon. You can use it for light piping and waveguides. Each reflection is actually 100% efficient versus mirrors where there typically is some loss each time you reflect the light. And it reflects everything, so you have no color separation. Plus, if you have a long path length, it, the, the multiple bounces will give you good mixing. Uh, so, but with a multiple path length, if you're inside of a clear material, then there's always some transmission loss. So your total design has to account for that transmission loss and its impact on the efficiency. Similarly, if there's any color tint to the plastic, you'll start having selective absorption of wavelengths and uh, have to correct for the color shifting. And because this reflection haps, happens at a very smooth surface, uh, if there's a roughness, contact, anything touching it, light will leak out at that point. What I show up here, RIG, is a good example of that. There is, in each of the four sides, a single strip of LED shining downward. And the, the WaveMax lens is a, a light guide that bounces the light downward. There's a series of very microscopic ribs on the surface that, if the bounce happens to hit the surface at that rib, extract the light outward. It's a very interesting light to look at because from the inside, these clear light, clear lenses look fairly dim. On the outside, they look very bright because the geometry is set up to extract light only outward and not inward. And then you can get really fancy and combine it all together. This is a combination lens. This is one of the, it's actually a 2ME, 2-medium lens in the OSQ series that because we want to, here, here's the pole, you've seen these layouts before, and the road in front of you, you want light in front of the pole, you want light spread out along the road, but only within a certain boundary. So there's three different zones in one lens. The front of it is a freeform refraction section. Uh, I don't have a view at a different angle, but if you looked at this lens, you'd see almost two lobes to it. And those two lobes are taking the light and spreading them sideways. So we have a pattern here and a pattern here from the refraction. Then another portion of the light, a fairly large portion, would normally exit backwards. We don't want to be lighting up sidewalk, sidewalks and buildings and things. So we integrate a total internal reflection surface in the lens that does that high degree of angle turning and turns it forward. That kicks a lot of the light that would have gone out the back into the front. I'd see another lobe forming here. And then the transition between those two is very lightly textured to diffuse it. And that gives us some of that softening spread to fill in. So th this is a good example of, of the engineering that's currently done. If you, oops, I'm gonna switch here to a uh, pen division. This is a two medium. And you've got a roadway that you're trying to illuminate. You can throw the light in front of the pole, cross the width of the roadway, 
put another light next to it, put another light next to it. And with these overlapping patterns, you have very good control over illuminating only the roadway surface and not wasting light by illuminating the rest of the world around you. I mentioned a couple of times the visual comfort. Uh, there are definitely trade-offs. A lot of the material selections and things that we do are for optical efficiency, but the visual comfort is aided by not having a very high contrast within the light. So if you have bright sources and a dark surround or dark background within the small angle, that's the field of view of looking at the light itself, it'll become, it'll decrease your optical or visual comfort. So uh, going back to the typical roadway lights, they are the ones that have individual lenses over a very high powered LED. Very high efficiency, you've got that 93 to 95% efficiency, uh, but you have less visual comfort because you're seeing individual point sources on a dark background. Uh, the shift now to some mid-powered LEDs or using facet optics to break up the individual point source and make it appear as multiple sources definitely helps that. You're now having more spots each at a lower intensity, but there, you still have a degree of pixelation going on. And then the best case, like I said before, troffers with the using only the diffuser and completely hiding the LEDs. Your efficiency, optical efficiency is reduced down into the range of 80 to 84%, but you have much, much better visual comfort. These are some of the radiant imaging camera images. We do a lot of studies in our lab. And um, this data, it, it, it's a very simplistic look at it, but it really makes it stand out here from looking at an LED to looking at the dark masks between them, it's an 800 to one ratio of luminance. This is that IG, you're beginning to see those ribs that are in the lens that turn the light outward, but they're microscopic and close together. So you get a much more uniform illuminated surface and from a bright rib to a dark line between it is only now 30 to one in contrast versus the, the best case troffers with highly diffused lenses across the lens from the LEDs that you can see slightly brighter in the center to the edge of the lens is really only a nine to one ratio. So much, much better visual comfort. This data we use as an internal method of studying. Uh, unfortunately, there's no way to get that directly from an IES file. I know we've had requests from our sales force and from the fields saying, can you quantify force visual comfort? We have internal equations and measurement techniques that we use to quantify it in-house that's not published and unfortunately it's not available directly from IES files. And this is a good real-world example. Uh, 2017 San Francisco Gate newspaper publishing what unfortunately is an article we've seen before, uh, complaints of being too bright. Well, it was the same lumen level, but it was a pixelated looking source. We have the, what I was describing, large lenses over large LEDs and a, an opaque mask surrounding them in that product. Uh, I don't even know what product that is. It's not one of ours, but complaints about low eye comfort and, and being too bright, even though it actually was the same lumen level. Below it is our RSW street light. That's an RSW small. The WaveMax is designed to, to correct for that. So you, you have in here, a bank of 36 LEDs that are shining forward into this 
WaveGuide WaveMax light guide system. It's faceted internally to turn lights outward and downward and mix it. So when you look at it, you have a, a much more diffuse, non-pixelated direct view and a very good control on the ground uh, for the, the layout. We give up a little bit of efficiency there. We're 90% we're optical efficiency versus 94, 95 for individual lenses. But thanks to the much higher LPW efficiency LED components and, and our own design efficiency, um, recycling light is one thing that we are very conscious of. Any light that does leak out or reflect out at other angles, we have high reflectivity white surfaces surrounding it, which let us push that light back forward and not just block it and lose it. So it, it's all leading up to the, the same concept, an application-based design is application-based results. We have, over the years, generated more superior optics, more, gen, more superior generations of lenses. Uh, I've got a, two pictures here that Dwayne supplied me. This was a school parking lot used as a demonstration from high pressure sodium to an LED based light back in 2007. And Dwayne, if you could come back on, you had some stats you had of, of the efficiency and, and savings on this application. Yeah, so this was done back in 2007, a school in, in Racine, Wisconsin. The um, whole lot was high pressure sodium, so kind of the red side of the lot, that's what existed there across this entire lot. I think it was about 0.3 foot candle minimums and probably you know, slightly greater than, than 20 to 1 in terms of uniformity. And, um, you know, the, the LED the equivalent back then was how, how do we match the minimum? So the, the left-hand side is about 0.3 foot candle minimum, but you can see the uniformity got much better. I think it's about 8 to 1 is where we were at. And, and back then, the LEDs weren't as efficient. So if you look at the spec sheet, the high-pressure sodium system was actually delivering um, about 61% more, more lumens or light to the parking lot. But... Um, as, as you kind of mentioned, Brad, the ability to control 100% of, of the light source at the at the chip level back then using our nano optic technology, we didn't waste any of that light. So even though that at that time the source wasn't as efficient as high pressure sodium, it was really about optics and still is today in, in terms of, of being able to get light where you want it to go. And that uh, really told a great story to the industry and, and got people thinking about um, you know how, how these solutions are different. Thank you. And the big picture is. Newer technology, that's a public shopping center parking lot in Florida, 2018. These are OSQs, and you can see that the application engineer has done an excellent job of picking the correct layout, and there, there are many lens options available to stitch it all together and, and create a very uniform, very pleasant lighting. I, I just realized also one thing I didn't mention on OSQ, I was talking about the visual comfort of not having the high contrast within the light. Uh, that's part of the reason for this white overmold surrounding the lenses. Part of it is to block up light, and part of it is to use that leakage to the side to light up the background around the lenses so that you're not seeing bright sources on a dark mask. You're seeing bright sources against a bright white background surface. And that helps improve the visual comfort there. So that's it. That's all my spiel for using scientific optics to do light layout correctly. Uh, all, right. Perfect. all right, we'll open it up to questions. Just a reminder, if you have any questions, please go ahead and use either the chat box or the Q&A box to submit those.
And uh, Brad, to kind of get us started, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about, we saw optical efficiencies and we don't seem to talk about those as, as much. And I think those are probably more behind the scenes. In the old technology, for example, a downlight, you put a lamp in there and I think, you know, maybe 50% of that light from the source and, and some designs would actually get out of the, of, of the product. You look at that, but we really kind of look more at, at systems efficiencies. And if you look at like the lumens per watt metric, that's really more at the system level. Can you talk a little bit about maybe that those two terms? Correct. Yeah, we, we have a, a budget when we're designing a luminaire. Uh, we have a budget where we know there are certain losses. Uh, you know, an LED component may start at 215, 220 lumens per watt. Uh, just purely the energy into that and the light created by it. But then when you look at the entire system, the, the electronics in the driver might be running about 96% efficiency and the lens itself, depending on what I just showed you or in the mid 80s to mid 90s, uh, there, there is always some leakage that is not in the direct optical path. There even to the point of the solder mask on our circuit boards is a very high reflectivity white. So every last bit of light that might be going the wrong direction, we will recycle as our term, catch that and turn it forward. And, and we develop a budget for the product of how much we're willing to give up in the transmission losses and in coupling losses with light guides in, uh, you know, even the internal transmission materials. We, we use a very high transmission acrylic to minimize loss. There are other plastics and glasses and things used for lenses that you can trade off other properties for transmission. Uh, our, our focus is more on the best efficiency and longevity. Other materials might be yellowing faster or might get dirtier faster, depending on the material you're talking about. And acrylic is our preferred material for lensing. So the other thing that you, you talked about a lot of different techniques in terms of, of optical control, um, it, it doesn't appear that there, there really is a one size fits all, right? I mean, is, is it really application dependent in terms of what strategy and approach we might use? Correct. Uh, it's, we get into the, the fanciest optics in roadway and outdoor because we have very specific layouts that we need to generate with, again, without dumping light backwards onto buildings and, and uh, up light and things like that. Indoor, it's much more forgiving. Troffers and linears and things indoor tend to be just diffused sources. Um, now you, you still in applying them have to account for what is the correct spacing so you don't have a too much intensity fluctuation on the, the floor or work surfaces. Uh, but it's there, there's whole different levels of simple diffusion and shaping indoor uh, to a little fancier diffusion and shaping for things like high bays uh, to much more exact shaping, very little diffusion and very exact shaping for area and roadway lighting. Yeah, and then I would assume you have, you know, certain constraints when you're looking at a system. So partly it's it's what application it's designed to go into. But that, if you think about like an area light, for example, there's, I'm sure you have to look at like bug ratings, uh, you know, dark sky compliance, you know, DLC has lumens per watt requirements. Uh, I'm sure the cost element comes into it in terms of where's this, where's this product going to play in the marketplace and, and the money that into it, is it going to be rewarded by the, the market or not? Um, is there other things that we think about in terms of the, the systems that uh, we, should be, we should care about? 
Well, very much so on reliability. Uh, we, we spend a lot of time, especially on outdoor lighting, not only on the obvious uh, vibration, withstanding vibrations, withstanding vi weather, rain, winds. Uh, one of my special projects was actually renting out wind tunnels and, and putting our outdoor luminaires into 158 mile an hour category five winds. Uh, but there, there's a lot going into it in terms of, as you say, getting the most efficient, getting the best shape for the right price. You know, I, I could obviously do wonders if I had unlimited budget, but <laughs> there's always the, the cost constraints to make sure that our margins are, are correct for the business to succeed. I cost is competitive. The reliability of the optic, when I think about exterior applications too, would be things like like UV and, and the ability of that optic to be able to, again, if we're expecting these problems, you're maintenance-free for a decade or longer, having that optic remain consistent throughout that you know, potential really long installed life is really important as well. Correct. We have a UV chamber to test yellowing of materials. We do a lot of thermal testing, accelerated testing in chambers and real life outdoor testing. And there's, you know, LEDs and drivers are both degraded by excessive temperatures. And we have to take into account even the reflection, the first reflection as it enters a lens, 4% of your light will reflect back at you. So there's energy being dumped back into the optical chamber where we need to make sure that we're dissipating and controlling the, the LED temperature, accounting for transmission losses and reflections and and it, it's this is the systems thing. One of the things I've done in pre-lighting for the past few years, we now have a formal systems engineering department, and I've been doing a lot of education and training on the, the whole system level thinking, how everything in it interacts electrically, thermally, structurally, all the efficiencies that like that budget we have for efficiencies. Uh, it's no longer siloed. It's, it's a complete system development. Yeah, I think that's what over the last this session and the previous two, you know, it's understanding that, you know, the driver that we select, uh, the LED that we select, and certainly the optical design around the system, um, it all has to kind of work together. And one of the things right, I, I love about in terms of the way we approach optics is we, we also don't forget about the application need, right? We have to we have to do a really great job of of lighting a parking lot or lighting a roadway and and, and creating optics that can can successfully meet the application side. Of, of these types of projects as well. All right, well, I don't see any other uh, questions here, Brad. If you wanna go ahead and go to the last slide, I'll close up shop. I okay. do wanna thank Brad certainly for his time and, and for his presentation, really great job. I also wanna thank the audience for, for joining us. Just looking forward to the next couple of weeks. Um, next Friday, we'll actually look at different distribution types. So the way we kind of bend the light, uh, we classify those as different types. So we'll kind of get a better understanding of that. And then another optic, somewhat optically related discussion around international dark sky the, the following week. Um, as always, if you've missed the session, uh, these are being recorded and posted to our YouTube channel. If you're not a subscriber, we would certainly encourage you to, uh, to do so. With that, thanks for joining us, everybody, and enjoy your weekends. Thank you, Dwayne. Bye. Bye.